Hey, what's going on, Internet? You are listening to the free cheese and hot sauce pregame show. We are here. Uh, it's actually just me again. I had some computer troubles, so uh, this one's probably just going up on SoundCloud or something. Uh, anyway, I'm here talking Bulls and Hawks. The Bulls coming in at 27-14 and 14 after beating the Celtics in a nice little fashion. The Hawks are 32-8 and eight right now, and they have just about beat everyone right now. They've won 11 in a row. Uh, wins over Toronto, Memphis, and Portland in there. Uh, pretty easy schedule otherwise. Uh, kind of makes the Hawks maybe look a little bit better than they are. Not that they're a bad team by any means, but um, when you can string together games against bad teams and actually win them, it does tend to make you look better than you would against a team like Chicago or um, like Portland or Memphis, which were actually pretty close games. Uh, they absolutely destroyed Toronto, but... Um, we'll get to that in a second. Starting lineups real quick. I'm going to assume it's the same as it was in Boston last night. Uh, Rose, Heinrich, Butler, Gasol, Gibson. Uh, McDermott and Dunleavy still out. Doug's still close. We have no idea what close means, but we are right in that range after the injury, which was like six to eight weeks or whatever. Uh, Noah's questionable. I'm going to guess out again. He's having an MRI later today. Which leads me to believe he will not be suiting up against the Hawks. Uh, Atlanta, no real injuries, so their starting lineup is right where they want to be with Jeff Teague, Kyle Korver, DeMar Carroll, Paul Millsap, and Al Horford in their starting five. Um, what else? There we go. Last time the Hawks beat the Bulls, 93-86. Jimmy Butler really led us last time. Uh, Rose went 0 for 7 from 3, which hopefully he won't do again. Um... He's actually been making his three lately, though. I believe he made five last night, and I'm going to guess... Oh, what did he do against the Wizards? I don't... I didn't pull it up, but he didn't... I think he went, like, five of seven in Washington. So, uh... Well, not in Washington, against Washington. Um... So, yeah, Derrick Rose wasn't exactly on in that game. Our whole offense was kind of disjointed, aside from Jimmy Butler... So if Rose can knock down a few threes like he did the last couple games, that'll go a long way. Uh, We also only went eight deep last time. Uh, Again, we were without Joakim Noah. Uh, We had Mike Dunleavy last time, but when we go eight deep, I really... I'm not sure that we'll be able to do that uh, tonight. Um, Just because it is the second half of a back-to-back, and we didn't really get a big lead in that game last night until later on. Um, and you saw guys like Taj Gibson, he played 39 minutes, uh, Jimmy got in his normal 40. So we might come out a little bit gassed against the Hawks, who have, uh, I believe they had a day off before this. Oh no, they are also on the second half of a back-to-back. They just played Toronto last night and just absolutely blew them out. Um, 110-89 in that game, so Atlanta proving that they could really handle good teams. Um... Especially us, though, we tend to struggle with teams who have a strong front line, which is surprising given that we're supposed to have a strong front line. Um, But it's just kind of the nature of how the teams play. I mean, we try to run a tin tin towers. Yeah, just the tin towers. Um, They're not very strong. Hey, jokes by mistake. Um, And that, you know, it hasn't necessarily worked to this point. Uh, Obviously, without knowing the lineup, we don't quite run that. And I think we actually do operate a lot better with Gasol Gibson, Noah Miritich uh, being the combo. But that's a conversation for another time. Um, What else? I shouldn't have switched away from my notes. Now, should I have? Um, 
Whoa, clicked the wrong button. There, okay, now now Spotify's out. Damn, okay. Um, here we go, there's the notes. Um, like I said, we're going to have a lot of trouble with the strength down low. The Hawks also really like to run that high pick and roll. Uh, they've got bigs who can knock down a shot. Millsap or Horford could easily knock, or not knock out, step out to uh, about 20 feet and knock down a shot. Um, then they've got guys on the perimeter. Korver shoots fucking 52% from three, which is unreal. Um, the only really thing you can do there is try to force him to take mid-range jumpers because he does attack the basket pretty well. He's added a lot of strength, um, so he draws fouls and he knocks down his free throws, so you aren't going to get an advantage there. Um, even Carroll, who, you know, he's not a great shooter, but he's a terrific all-around player. He reminds me a lot of uh, Luol Deng, sort of, back when Luol Deng was a little bit more athletic. Um... He kind of does all those dang things, like cutting. He plays great defense. He, he's a high-energy guy. Um, and he can also knock down the three. He's only about a 38% three shooter, but when you're the second option there, um, that's actually kind of a good number. And he's consistent. He's big enough and long enough to affect things in the lane. So the Hawks have a lot of weapons. Um, not to ignore Jeff Teague, what he's done this year. He's just playing... I mean, this has been a career year for Teague. He's shooting really efficiently. He's scoring. He's distributing. He's playing defense. He's not turning the ball over. He's really just been the perfect point guard for a team where the point guard isn't the star. Um, and he creates a lot of problems just because when he's not distributing, he can score if you sag off of him. He's got the speed to do it. Um, not a great three-point shooter, but he could still knock him down. Um, I think the only thing that Teague doesn't really have going for him is he's a little small. I mean, he's 6'2", but he's a little, you know, he's he's quick. He's not based on strength. He's not like Derrick Rose or Eric Bledsoe, where they're based on absorbing contact. So if Derrick can kind of work off of some screens and get a little room on defense, or I guess on offense for, in our case, um, if he can attack, I think Teague might struggle with that just because he's a tad undersized, but he will have the speed to stick with him, so Derek's going to have to play through some contact. Um, luckily, Derek's been really good, so hopefully he'll keep it going. Uh, I think he will. Um, speaking of point guards, by the way, Dennis Schroeder, or Schroeder, Schroeder, however you want to say his name, also a very good point guard, and it would be really nice to see Kirk come off the bench to guard him. Um, because I think that's where Kirk is most effective, is guarding, like, quick, speedy point guards off the bench when he has those fresh legs, because you see it a lot when he guards John Wall, especially, at least this is when I've noticed it, is Kirk will come out and he'll actually do a very good job of staying in front of the other team's guards, which the Bulls really need to do, because I feel like too often Jimmy, or maybe not so much Jimmy, Jimmy's been playing off, um, not so much high-pressure defense. He's been playing a little bit more off, um, at least when his guy doesn't have the ball. But Kirk stays in front of his guy so much, and that's really important because guys have been cutting on us and getting to the lane, and it's been forcing our rotations to go around, and people have said, Pow hasn't been there on the rotations. Not really. There's just not enough rotations to cover all the guys who are slashing to the lane. So our guards really have to stay in front of theirs. Um... One good thing is, though, uh, right now, especially with our injuries, is the Hawks don't really go to their bench for scoring. 
I mean, obviously Schroeder comes off and he contributes, and they've got guys like Bazemore and um, a couple of other bigs, Scott and Antich. I mean, they do decent jobs of, um, you know, contributing in different ways, but um, at the same time, they aren't exactly great offensive players. So um, once the Hawks do eventually have to make switches, uh, we'll be able to kind of work defensive matchups in our favor. So we might have something going on there, like if, say... I don't know, say when Kyle Korver comes out and Cephalosha comes in, that'll allow us to kind of collapse more in the paint and force them to take perimeter shots when they don't have their perimeter guys out there. Um, another thing that the Hawks don't necessarily have going for them is they don't have a ton of height beyond Horford, who isn't really especially that big, and he's not really a rim protector. So if Rose and Jimmy can attack and we can hopefully find someone consistently knocking down threes. I mean, Rose has been making them, but he can't kick out to himself on a uh, drive-and kick. Um, so hopefully we'll see something from Nico. Maybe Kirk will knock down a shot. He's been knocking it down a little more, at least out of the corner lately, but still not horribly consistent. Um, you could say the same for Snell and Moore, um, who hopefully we'll see. I really want to see Tony Snell more. Um, I talked shit about him on the last podcast, but he's been playing bigger minutes, and he has been contributing, albeit inconsistently, and people have still gotten way too excited about Tony Snell because of a few good plays. But um, he has shown flashes of being able to be a good contributor, and I think this is definitely a game where we'll need to see him, especially since, weirdly enough, he didn't play at all against Boston, so maybe we're saving him up to play him 40 minutes tonight. Um, I honestly wouldn't rule it out for Tibbs, or we'll, you know, only go eight deep again for some reason, because why would we play our, uh, our bench at all? Um, but like I was saying, guys need to knock down threes off the bench, especially, like, Guys like Etwan Moore, Tony Snell, just because they've been so big for us with Dunleavy out. I mean, Moore was, I want to say, like three of four from three. Aaron Brooks made three. I mean, so we're still getting it done on the perimeter, and I think that's the only way that we're going to win is if people, people keep knocking down shots. Yeah, that's how you talk. Um, so if people can keep knocking down shots, I think we'll have a chance. If not... It's going to be tough to get in the lane because Paul Millsap's so big and strong, and he's a very good defender, albeit not a great shot blocker. Um, so this is just a really tough game. I'm trying to think of reasons why the Bulls should win. Um, I mean, to me it really comes down to how they come out and how they approach the game. The game, wow, I cannot speak. How they approach the game with... Uh, you know, do they make good decisions passing? Are they playing with a lot of intensity on defense? Because when we come out and we don't really commit to defense, I mean, we come out with a lot of energy on the offensive end. We're passing, the ball's moving around. But then people don't get back on defense. People argue about calls. Tibbs gets a technical foul every four fucking seconds, which is inexcusable. I don't understand how he's able to just... He just yells and complains after every single call. And yeah, I get that you have to... You have to make a stand for your guys, and you have to voice your opinion, but when you can't stop yourself from yelling at the ref, and you're giving up free throws on the other end, and you're stopping fast breaks because you're arguing about calls, you're hurting your team at that point, and you're killing momentum. Tibbs, he seriously has to keep it in check. He leads the league in technical fouls for coaches, and 
people go, oh, yeah, that's just Tibbs being Tibbs. No, it's Tibbs being fucking stupid. Um, so try to avoid doing that, Tibbs. Same goes for everyone on the Bulls bench and on the floor. Stop arguing calls. Get back on defense. Win the game yourself. Don't expect the game to be given to you, even if you might have deserved it. Win it on your own. Uh, and do that how you did the last few years. Commit to defense. Make good decisions. And play as a team. Quit going into isos every four seconds. Just keep the ball moving and get good shots instead of always trying to force it through to one guy at a time. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think about that. Um... And I've said this like 80 times already, but the defense is going to be very important. We have to close out on Corver. We can't have guys leaving people open for shots, especially long shots, because that's when we typically don't get the rebound. I mean, we leave a guy open for a three. He clanks it off the front of the rim, and it just bounces right back to him. We've got to rebound. We've got to be aware on defense, because it's not like we're playing Boston. We won't get a chance to fall behind by 10 and then come back just because we'll be able to do whatever we want to them on offense. The Hawks are a good defensive team. We didn't score more than 22 and a quarter last time we played them. They're good enough to shut us down. We need to do the same. We need to play defensively. Otherwise, there's really no chance. Um, so, yeah, jumping into a key to the game, other than the, you know, like 80 that I just listed, um, rebounding. The Hawks are 26 in the league as far as rebounding goes. Um, we all know how rebounding leads to easy baskets, it leads to plays in transition, and honestly, when you rebound defensively, guys like Horford and Millsap won't be able to clean up any kind of missed shots, or if we get them missing shots from mid-range, which is what we really have to do against this team, because they play inside out so well. Um, if you don't rebound after doing that, though, and don't get good inside position, it might as well not even be that way. Um, so I think rebounding is definitely what's going to be the difference in this game. Uh, as far as a prediction goes, I think the Celtics game helped a lot. I think the momentum was very important. Um, and Rose, Butler, and Gasol were all very, very good. Uh, Rose was 29-10 and 10 on 60% shooting, uh, including five three-pointers. Like I said, just let him shoot a little bit. He'll make them sometimes. Clearly he can. Um, but... I mean, I think that was kind of predicated on him being aggressive first, and then that opened up, and I think he saw that. Um, Jimmy was also really good, 22.6 steals. Um, when I was watching the game, I felt like he was kind of off, but then you look at the numbers afterwards. I hit my table there. Shout out to me. Um, I mean, he, was, he shot 47% from the field. He got to the line in six steals, which is just absolute. you know, that's great. Um, that's, I mean, that's the Jimmy Butler we know affecting things on defense, and if we can do that again, we'll have another really good chance because six steals leads to six chances in transition, which when Jimmy's leading the break with probably Rose running with him, they have a really good chance to finish at the basket. Um, Powell was really good too, another double-double, over 50% shooting, so when all three of those good goes, wow, why do I even have a podcast? Um... When all three of those guys are good, we are Im near impossible to beat. I won't say impossible because we're obviously a we've lost games, but when all three of those guys are on, this is a very tough team to beat. I think the Boston game will give us momentum coming into this one, so I'm gonna say Bulls win 
but it comes down to the last shot. I think this will be one of those games. I think it has the potential. Um, not necessarily the potential. I think this is probably the favorite pick for Eastern Conference Finals at this point. I mean, you could make arguments for Washington or even Toronto, and you can never really count out Cleveland, though they kind of suck at the moment. Um, so I think this will be a kind of playoff atmosphere type game. I think the Bulls definitely won't forget that they lost last time, and neither will the Hawks, because um, apparently they've got that killer instinct that you really need with the team. So while I'm picking that the Bulls will win, it it'll essentially be a toss-up at the end. I think this will be a close game. I think both teams are going to come out with a lot of energy. Um, ultimately, I think it hinges on one guy, which is Derrick Rose. It's just when he is at MVP level, no one in the league can stop him. So if he can get into a rhythm early and if he, he can play with energy and attack the basket and then open things up for himself and others around the perimeter by doing that, um, I think we'll have a really good chance to win. So bowl of the game prediction, Derrick Rose on a hunch. Um, also, I mean, if you look at the last game against uh, Atlanta, I know I was about to end right there and then I suddenly jumped back. But I kind of wanted to bring up last time, he was 0 of 7 from 3 on 6 of 21 shooting, which is bad. There's no way around that. But he also had 8 assists. Um, he had a few rebounds. He was getting things done otherwise. It's just if he had made even 3 or 4 of those, that would have made all the difference in the world for the Bulls. So now that his shot is falling with a little bit of consistency, at least these last couple games... Uh, I think he'll have a real chance to uh, cause some problems for Atlanta. So, I think that's a podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter, at Bulls Free Cheese. Check out the subreddit, chicagobulls.reddit.com. Uh, check out the website, freecheeseandhotsauce.com. That's where you can find all of our uh, articles and podcasts and videos and all that. Um, what else, what else, what else? Check us out on Stitcher, Pocket Casts, rate us on iTunes, uh, give us a Yelp review if you want to do that. Um, what else? Probably nothing that I have to really bring up. So, enjoy the game, folks. Drive home safely, Internet. Beep, beep.